Hey there, welcome to episode number 12 of the Bearded and Nerdy Podcast, your home for news and reviews for some of the biggest events in superhero culture. We're talking movies, TV shows, comics, conventions, you name it, I got it. I am your host, Michael Georgie, and today I am being uh, joined by my co-host, Duncan Miller. Duncan, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing very well. You sound good. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited for today. I am too. (laughs) We've been wanting to discuss this one for a long time. I know. Like, and that's the thing. I mean, as per Bearded and Nerdy tradition, we do the review like eons after the movie's been released. Of course. But but that being said. That's for you guys. That's (laughs) for you guys because you know we spoil everything. And we were just giving everyone time to catch up so we can spoil this movie, which we're going to do. We're going to spoil this movie for you you know tony stark dies in endgame all that good stuff. oh yeah so, so that's exactly how we're going to be going today and duncan i haven't discussed this movie at length in fact the most i think we've discussed it was the last episode in uh when we were discussing like the stuff we've been into and we were right, talking, we right, both right. just seen joker, joker at that point i forgot about that yeah, yeah 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 so that's the most we've discussed it so this one's going to be a really good one because duncan and i have both expressed verbally how much we enjoy it that being said we are reviewing joker today right now before we get into it of course we have our segments so we're gonna be of course talking about what have we been into this week what pop culture stuff have we been ingesting that isn't necessarily superhero related or at least related to the topic that we're discussing today duncan you were excited to tell me yours so why don't you go first so i'm always bad at this segment because i feel like i always pick something that isn't totally not related to what we're talking about. There's always or it's some D&D. Right, it's like it's D&D which is still kind of related to like the pop culture stuff that we're talking about. So this week I've been really into this YouTuber named Bernadette Banner and she does historical sewing. What? Like she just like I don't Georgie, I don't even know what happened, but I was just clicking through YouTube and I just saw this thing cuz you know, for those that don't know, I studied history and classics in college and I studied medieval history and ancient Roman history and I saw this this YouTube video is like reconstructing a 14th century dress from scratch. I was like Okay, cool. Here's 40 minutes of me watching this. And I watched all this woman's videos of her making dresses and clothes from different time periods. And it's so soothing, like just to watch someone sew. Like it's really, it's very relaxing. And her voice is very relaxing. Like what else? So like what else? Like like, are we talking like Civil War era stuff? Like the ones that I've watched, she made the 14th century gown. She made an Edwardian skirt just for general daily wear. She made like a Victorian, like basically the Victorian undergarments. And then she made a Victorian dress. She also made a Victorian corset. Um, She's done videos. The video I would recommend if you guys are looking to look into this is she did a video where she looked at party city costumes of historical quote unquote uh, costumes and fixed them. She drew her own designs and her art's very pretty and kind of disgusted in a very fun way. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, you kind of got me onto that. So right. you, yeah. send me that link when I will, done with I will. this because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of into that. That sounds awesome. Yeah. All right. So with me, and I also am kind of lazy with this segment because it's like, it's just an excuse for me to say, so this is the new anime I'm watching. Right. You know, and that being said, I am watching Seven Deadly Sins, but that's not what oh, I'm going to discuss real? today. Oh, yeah, dude, okay. I'm loving it so far. I'm a little late to the party, but I'm really digging it. That being, but that's not what I'm discussing today. Okay. All right. So I, of course, like many, have consumed in full the Disney Plus Kool Aid. 
No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let me let me tell you what. Let me justify this. And I, I no, you don't have to justify. I don't have to justify. Just... It's a, it's a really good deal. So my brother and I, my brother loves ESPN Plus. He has an account currently, mm-hmm. and um, of course, I wanted a way to watch all of my movies without having to spend ridiculous amounts of money on physical copies. I'm getting into physical copies now, and I'm starting to collect them. But obviously, my need for wanting to see these movies outweighs my budget for collecting the physical copies at the moment. Correct. So, yes. Um, what my brother and I did was he we decided to split the Disney Plus ESPN Plus bundle in half. So we're oh, pay, each paying okay. six fifty for this this thing. So I'm saving fifty cents on what ESPN or what Disney Plus would cost me, and uh, I have access to everything. And I'm honestly I'm very I'm one I'm super super stoked on the selection they've got thus far. Mm-hmm. Um, I do hear that it is amazing. I am very curious. Yeah. So um, the very first thing that kind of got me was one they don't have everything yet. Mm-hmm. You know, like they, they're still certain, um, for example, if we're talking Marvel, they don't have all the titles yet. There's still some that are allocated to like Netflix. Like I know Ragnarok is still on Netflix. Um, so is Infinity War. Right. But like a lot of the bigger titles, especially like some of my favorites, we're talking Thor, Iron Man 1, Endgame, all those guys. That's all there. Uh, but they also have like some side documentaries on how the MCU was created that I'm looking okay. to get into. Um, but what I'm going to discuss specifically is that I saw the first episode of Mandalorian. Did you now? Yes. And uh, now I'm very excited about that. And I am in love with it. You know, so I, Duncan and I have been pretty verbal about my relationship, our relationship with Star Wars the past like five years and that we haven't had one because we don't like the new trilogy. The new trilogy is bad. It is bad. It is. I And yes, I, I will argue it is bad. Like not even like I don't. It's bad. The. <laughs> I thought Force Awakens was decent when I saw it, mm-hmm. but in retrospect, I've liked it less and less. And the debacles happening with Episode Nine killed it for me. Yeah, but the Mandalorian. But the Mandalorian. So of course, it's directed by you know, if you are a big fan of like the uh, Marvel titles and are you a fan of like cinema in general, it's produced and written by John Favreau. Yeah, yeah. And that guy very rarely makes missteps. I know some people have are hit and miss on like his Lion King work, but like, um, but regardless, most of the stuff he does has a lot of really great artistic integrity right. and he's really tight with the folks over at Lucasfilm. He's been heavily involved in a lot of their titles. You know, I know that he uh, is close with, because a lot of it, he does a lot of his mastering uh, for audio over at uh, Skywalker Studio. Oh, I yeah. didn't know that. At okay. Skywalker Ranch, yeah. So, um, so he cares a lot about Star Wars. He cares a lot about nerd stuff and he, this show so far to me it's only been episode one but i can't wait for the next one really it's shot like a movie and to me it like unlocked the same feelings that i had when i was watching star wars when i was a kid wow yeah like it was just perfectly paced paced like a show 40 minutes but like with the budget of like a star wars movie and it's incredible and I maybe I'm about I, to have to lose yeah. like seven dollars. Yeah, maybe maybe tonight. I'm jumping the shark on this one, but I do think it's like so far I I love the first episode, and also if that's not enough, Disney Plus has all of Phineas and Ferb. That's amazing. Yeah, exactly. So I'm all, I'm all about it, and um, actually Brad is coming over tomorrow night to watch Revenge of the Sith. So that's so yeah, cool. no, good stuff. Taking full advantage good of stuff. Disney Plus. Shout out to Brad. Yep, shout out to Brad. So we're going to be, um, so let's go ahead and get into our news. Okay. So I haven't shared this with you because there's actually some thoughts on some of the news that I want to hear, like your opinion on right, right, discuss right. this. So very first thing, um, in terms of our news is of course we've got the Disney plus thing. We really yeah. need to discuss that. That's a big deal. Mandalorian has dropped. 
this is something I didn't intend to include when I wrote the the outline or I was considering the outline, but this news just dropped today. I think we're I think I know where we're going with this. Dwayne Johnson yes. <laughs> has officially been cast as Black Adam. Yes. And he's getting his own movie. movie it's yeah. not Shazam, it's Black Adam the right. movie. Which to me says a couple good things. So what are your thoughts? I'm I'm excited. I think that he is gonna look amazing as the characters. The look kind of the images we've already seen looked fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like there's no doubt Black Adam's a great character. Uh it being its own movie is interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm curious where we're going to go with that because I per- I personally have always liked him more as a villain for Superman and Shazam. Yeah. And once cuz you know there was kind of I don't even know when this started, but the kind of turn of him towards being less of a villain, more of just kind of like he's sticking out for himself. He'll fight heroes. He'll fight villains. It's it's just about kind, kind of protecting his land. Yeah. Yeah. I, he, he's kind of in the middle of the road. I don't like that as much as him just being a villain. So I prefer I, him as a villain. I don't know how this is going to go. But I definitely am enthusiastic. Yeah. So to me, one, I'm super excited because we've been tossing around the idea of Dwayne Johnson playing Black Adam for years. Right. Like this has been going on for years and years and years, well before Shazam was even announced and being oh, a yeah. So one thing that I think this does fix now, this does fix like a, a DC thing that we have issues with and that it sets up plot lines. You know, you know how we had our issue with Justice League where, you know, we just kind of jumped into Justice League. Like with right. this, it sets up our idea that, okay, you know, we've got Shazam now. Now we've got Black Adam. Okay, so they've got two well-developed characters. Let's see how an interaction can go. Like, I feel like they're playing the long game here. Right. And of course, we've already seen hints at Mr. Mind when we look at uh, the first Shazam. Yeah. You know, so we've, we're, we're, we're building, doing a lot of world building with Shazam, which is good because I think that, you know, again, of course, I'm biased to certain characters, but Shazam is probably the most precious title they've got right now, given how good that last movie was. Right. It's the one that's got the most potential. Oh, it definitely does. I'm, I kind of feel, I know we've kind of disagreed in the past on this. I feel that they really should be focused 100% on just making solid movies Mm -hmm. that stand on their own. But if they are going to go the route of doing some more world building, expanding things a bit, I think picking Shazam to be the point for that is the right call. Yeah, because I think that we kind of misconstrue Shazam as being kind of like an innocent one-dimensional character. But through the years, Shazam has developed a lot of dimension. And Black Adam is a big point in that. You know, I think that if you put... And actually, you know, despite my thoughts on the role this character played in past DC movies, the second you throw Superman back into the mix with Shazam, it becomes a very powerful dynamic. Yeah, I want to see the three of them on screen together Mm -hmm. very soon. Yeah, so I'm all about that. So in next news of a rapper, Black Youngsta, is now able to be a reverend. So that's... (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) I did not see this. Yeah, it, that is true. Black Youngsta is finally able to marry people. Um, Wait, he got <laughs> ordained? Yes, he did. He's an ordained minister now. God bless Black Youngsta. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that so, man is an icon. Of course, of course. So in our final spark stuff and news, and this is going to require some... Uh, <laughs> so this is... And I, I'm laughing because this is going to spark some some fun conversation 
Um, is it now? Yes, it is. He doesn't. He doesn't tell me what the news is. By yeah. the way, when I get here, I just trust that he has that. Yeah. So I do. And um, this has been a big week for the release the Snyder Cut movement. <laughs> Now, before I get into the I wish whole... you guys could see my face right now. <laughs> yeah, no, mine too. So before we get into this, Duncan, why don't you tell our audience when I say release the Snyder Cut, which is a very common like phrase in the superhero cinema world. The phrase Snyder Cut is whispered in hushed tones. Right, right, the right. It's, it's, it's the forever... The, it's always mentioned. It's the holy grail. It's the holy grail of things. So, Duncan, why don't you tell our audience what the Snyder Cut is? Because they might have, they might know right. what it is, but they don't know what we're referring to. So, so when the Justice League film was made, it was directed by Zack Snyder, who had directed uh, Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman: mm-hmm. Dawn of Justice. He's directing it, and a personal tragedy occurred mm-hmm. with him, and you know blessings to his family and all that he had to leave so they have a mostly finished movie as far as like pre-production or they did not have like i think it was just the fx was all that was missing yeah was the cgi stuff but they had filmed all the scenes the problem was the movie sucked Mm -hmm. so they brought on joss whedon who obviously did the avengers to fix it, quote unquote. So he reshot a bunch of the movie. He changed the way the movie looks. And we got the Justice League movie that we all saw in theaters, which was terrible. Yes. <laughs> so I personally think that the movie was just irredeemable. But immediately fans began demanding to see Snyder's cut, the Snyder cut. Yeah. To see what he would have done with this movie. Because they feel that it would have been better than the garbled tonal mess yes. that Joss Whedon created. Yeah. So with this, um, with the Snyder Cut, there are distinct, what we have heard, there are distinct drastic differences in terms of the way the plot turned out, the inclusion and the omitting of certain characters. Um, So people, I think, you know, again... Um, I'm I'm going to be entirely biased here. People seem to think that that would m- somehow make the movie better. Um, it it won't. It won't because the movie, in our opinion, and the reason why I want to discuss because there is this has been uh, discussed. No, let, let me get into the news. Let me get to the news part of this. Okay. So okay. there because because this is where we're killing a lot of time up. not talking yeah. about the news. Okay. So the news part of this is that there were not one but three references to the Snyder Cut being released in terms of like extra i'm using the quote extra footage so it kicked off with um jason momoa sharing a picture on his instagram of um what was a deleted cut from the snyder movie um of aquaman stabbing steppenwolf with the trident this was then followed by um, Zack Snyder, or maybe it was even preceded, but it was all very close. Um, Zack Snyder shared a picture on the social media website, Vero. Remember when people thought that was going to take off? I don't even know what that is. Yeah, so Vero was just like some like social media platform that people thought was actually going to like matter. And people started making Vero accounts, but uh, clearly it doesn't, still doesn't matter. But Zack Snyder posted a photo to it um, (laughs) of, um, Oh my God! Why am I blanking on his name? Um, Flash. Ezra. Ezra. Yeah, Ezra yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so Flash. yeah. Uh, so, 
showing a picture of uh, Flash and his love interest that was omitted from the film. And that was a shot that was missed. And then Jay Oliva, who was a storyboard artist, shared a storyboard photo of Superman punching Steppenwolf, showing that that was something that would also have been put in the Snyder Cut. So that being said, this is the Snyder, the, the release of Snyder Cut crew is very, very strong right now. Now, Duncan, uh, what should they do with a Snyder Cut? Do you think they should burn release it. the Snyder Cut? We need to burn the Snyder Cut. And let me tell you, let me tell you my opinions, and I'm sure, Duncan, you'll agree. So the reason why we don't think that the Snyder Cut needs to be released is because it was doomed from the get-go. The entire timeline, think about why we like the Avengers so much, right? It had build up. Yeah. Iron Man came out and Thor came out and Captain America came out and uh, with a host of a whole bunch of other characters that were then significant to the plot of Avengers. Right. With this, we were introduced to two characters, um, three technically, because you got Wonder Woman who had some screen time in BVS, but you had like slight allusions to the other characters existing in BVS, which again... In the form of gratuitously overdone promo shots. Yes, exactly. And then BVS, which was... A flop. Like BVS was not received well. And right. that was that was that was the foundation that Justice League had to stand on. Right. So the yeah. thing is, we know for a fact, for instance, we know for a fact now, or let me rephrase that, we don't know for a fact, but it has been leaked that they are doing extremely extensive reshoots of Rise of Skywalker. I don't know if you saw that. No. So when a film studio, a huge studio, decides that they need to do reshoots that is a sign that something was fundamentally wrong mm-hmm. i'm not necessarily you know i don't i don't know all the details of how all, i know people reshoot lots of things but i feel like when you're doing reshoots at the level that whedon did it just tells you that something was broken from the start like that doesn't mean that oh the snyder cut was this this you know cerebral masterpiece that people just wouldn't have gotten and they had to t- they had to tame the beast <laughs> no that just means it was a broken movie and they were hoping that Joss Whedon could fix it and he i don't know if he made it worse maybe he did i think there are some parts that i do think he made worse mm-hmm. that we know Zack Snyder did not do but i don't think Snyder's cut would be any better yeah i think that most people's like wanting to see the snyder cut is just like this morbid curiosity i don't think that if you see justice league the snyder cut it'll it'll truly make it like yeah jason momoa has come out and said the snyder cut is better and i believe it but does that make it good because justice league is not good right like better than we're talking about the difference between like a movie that i would give like a three out of ten and a movie that i might give a 3.1 out of (laughs) ten like (laughs) exactly sure it may be better but that doesn't make it good like if it goes from a 30 percent to a 50 percent, congratulations you still failed right you know so that being said you guys know what the snyder cut is now and now you know exactly why we need to burn it um so joker this is the dc this it's a dc day it's a dc day it's a black adam snyder cut joker joker but this joker movie is different from this whole yes. Black Adam thing, this whole Justice League thing, thank God. Um, so, The Joker. This movie came out in October around Halloween yes, time. Uh, very, very opportune. They did a really good job leading up to this film. Now, Duncan, when this movie was announced, and I want you to be honest because I remember your thoughts yeah. on this. What did you think? I had no interest in this movie when it came <laughs> out. I because 
I will also I will defend myself. No, please a, do. Uh, for a brief minute. It had. I do not think when they announced it that it had been made clear that this was not part of the DCEU yet. Mm-hmm. Like they made it clear pretty quickly, but the the moment that I saw that, I did not. That wasn't clear to me. So I was definitely not interested because. Of course, because no, I would also be completely totally washed away if it were if it were like a DCEU film, especially given that we already had established that Jared Leto is our Joker. Right, which was terrible. Which was but, yeah, that was that was abhorrent. Right. So I was I had no interest at all, mm-hmm. and then I was kind of ambivalent. I know that like Todd Phillips, the director, was talking about it. People were very excited because it was Joaquin Phoenix, but I wasn't really excited. Mm-hmm. Then I saw the trailer. And that, I was excited. That, first, that first trailer really, really took my breath away and made me super interested in the movie. Mm-hmm. And that interest didn't die down until I saw it. Yeah. So with me, um, I was pretty interested. At, I think not necessarily, maybe not necessarily from the get from the moment that because I don't know if I maybe I missed something when it was announced, but I remember being pretty excited for, for it pretty much immediately. Really? Maybe I found out that it was a part of this, that it wasn't DCEU. Like maybe I, I'd heard it, you know, I was listening to a lot of like superhero podcasts at the time. Right. So right. I think that maybe they had made it clear to me that it wasn't a DCEU film. And then from that get go, I don't know how I knew that was the case, but I do know that that was the case. Right. So, um, I was pretty excited for it from the get-go, um, but not like overjoyed. Like, um, and I'll kind of we'll get into this later. Like, you know, it's not like I don't I don't think we really need a lot more Joker content, given that we've kind of been inundated with it over the men, over the decades. But um, I became super stoked about it when I saw that Joaquin Phoenix was casted. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that I knew what direction it was going to take, and I don't think anybody did. Nobody could have expected the, t- the direction he would have taken. Right. But I knew that he was going to do a good job. I love Joaquin Phoenix. I've kind of, I don't think I've ever seen a movie that he's starred in that I've been like, Joaquin Phoenix did a bad job. No, he doesn't do bad jobs because no. he's a great actor. He's a phenomenal actor. So hashtag where's Joaquin's Oscar? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's, that's the one we need. So yeah, let's just burn the Snyder cut in favor of getting Joaquin his Oscar. If there's a cause we need to get behind, that would be it. Um, so that being said, with that statement, we both really liked this movie, didn't we? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So you saw it a little bit before I did. Yes, I did. And uh, like like days, like probably like a day or two before the, I, I saw I it. I think so, yeah. It yeah. was like two or three days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went in with a group of my buddies. There's, I think, five of us. We went in... Oh, big theater group. Yeah, big theater group, which I haven't done in many years. Yeah, probably the last um, one we, for me was probably when we all went to see Doctor Strange. Yeah, yeah. that was like the four of us, yeah. Um, I saw it. I was immediately kind of taken by it. And then it was just sort of on my mind for a while. I remember I texted you probably immediately. As one does. And then, do. yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know without just getting into it unless you want to talk about how your theater experience mm-hmm. first yeah well i mean so mine was the exact opposite i went by myself <laughs> um red which is, flags which is, yeah yeah the, my mom was saying like y- you know michael you should probably like, bring a friend because so that way you don't look like you don't want to be like the one dude like one dude just going to go see the joker movie by yourself i'm like it's fine but then i kind of understood oh yeah no that could be some red flagish stuff that that was that was media manipulation that was not a real thing exactly so uh precisely so that being said i um 
I went by myself and which is actually good. I've been going to my the theaters by myself a lot recently and I I do enjoy that experience because um, I don't feel like maybe I'm pressured to react a certain way. Maybe I'm just like, I can truly take in the movie for what I think it is. And, um, I mean, just like you, man, I was immediately taken by it from those opening shots, right? Mm-hmm. Up, r- right up to the very, 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 very last moments. I mm-hmm. was, I was taken by it. So of course, let's just get right into it. We love this movie. What did you like about it? Okay. Overall thoughts. Paint with a with a with broad strokes here. Broad strokes. I love the way that the narrative is structured. Mm-hmm. I love the way that Joaquin Phoenix plays the character and plays his evolution. I find his evolution very plausible. Um, I love the way the movie looks. I think it's very very beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very visceral. Is very uh, clean, but it's also very dirty, which yes. is the point. But you see that because of the kind of clarity of the shot choices and all that, and the set design especially. Um, and I love that they, we might get more into this later, but I love that they told a villain story where the main the person was a villain. Mm-hmm. Because actually, I'll just get into it. I'll just, just say it now. Yeah, just, yeah. No, go, no man. point. One thing, one problem that I have with a lot of stories about villains is audiences seem to really like villains who are sympathetic. Mm-hmm. You know, people people like that. Magneto. And, right. Right. That's reasonable. Thanos. You know, sort of. Sort of. Sort, <laughs> sort of, with of. Thanos. But people like villains that are sympathetic. I think it's this idea where it's like you understand why they would be like that. You could never be like that, mm-hmm. but you get it. Yeah. You can sit there and sit in the audience and say, man, if I was in that situation, would I be like that? You know, it allows you to ask those things, but then people fall into a trap where they make the villain not villainous. Like in these new X-Men movies, like Magneto is a villain. Yeah. He tries to kill billions of people constantly in every movie pretty much that he was in. And yet they always portrayed him way too sympathetically, way too gray. They never allowed him to be a villain. Breaking Bad, you know, you feel bad for Walt, but he's a villain mm-hmm. and he becomes a villain at a point. And like there's a Skywalker. Right. There's, a, there's points where villains are born and you stop feeling active sympathy yeah. for them. And this movie, I think, had that perfectly. And right. there was a specific moment where I think this is the moment he is no longer actively sympathetic. I agree. I agree. So, um, you, yeah, you, I couldn't have put it better myself. I completely agree with, in terms of the way the movie was shot. Um, I thought that the score was phenomenal. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it complemented the movie incredibly well. And I think that the one thing is that there was not a single moment where an emotional, re- an emotional reaction, or at least even a physical reaction wasn't drawn out of the audience at all. Like every single second of the film, I was I I was tense. I was tense. Yeah, I was physically tense every second of this. It film. was well. Okay, I gotta ask you something real quick because mm-hmm. this this heavily impacted my viewing experience. Do you suffer from secondhand embarrassment? Yes, I do. I do too. Mm-hmm. So, for somehow the those unaware, you know, when you see somebody else doing something that's humiliating them, if you feel like. Oh, like this kind of tightness in your chest, yes. like, oh God, why is that person doing that? 
that feeling was, I would say, every single second of the whole movie. Mm -hmm. And I think that the great thing about this movie was that the progression did not occur necessarily outside of the character um it grew the progression occurred within the character you know so the character did not need to move spatially for him to get from point a to point b the character Mm -hmm. the character uh it almost seems like the plot um was entirely in this character's head we had Mm -hmm. our rise we had our fall we had our brief moment of um what it seemed like a false sense of security right you know but none of that changed spatially it all just occurred within this character's head. You know, when we thought that this character was going to be, was not necessarily, was, was in a better place when he wasn't, when he was less likely or moments when he was less likely to turn out to be the character that he ended up being. Right. You know? So that is one of those, that, the, um, that's one thing I really liked about this movie. It was incredibly cerebral in that sense. Yeah. And, um, it was uncomfortable, it was you know, uncom- it was, mm-hmm. it was pretty intense to watch. Like I've never watched a movie where I, had my heart rate up that much or I was that tense. Mm-hmm. Um, even in scenes where I shouldn't have been, yeah. you know, but that was, that was part of it was they did a good job of, of creating that. Okay. So that being said, we like it as a movie. Now the, the, this was a phenomenal film. Um, and I will say a phenomenal film overall, mm-hmm. but what drew it to the theaters was the fact that it had this DC, this comic book tagline to mm-hmm. it. It is the, the fact that it's related to a comic book, even if we aren't necessarily familiar with the character, it's going to happen with black Adam. It happened with guardians of the galaxy. In this case, the Joker is one of the most iconic villains of all time, mm-hmm. but it had that tag. That's what brought people into the theaters. But did this watch like a superhero to movie? Absolutely superhero not. No. Absolutely not. No. So, and I agree. So that's one thing that I think I like a lot about it. Um, you and I have kind of talked about this. Mm-hmm. We love superheroes, clearly. Yeah. Um, we love superhero movies, clearly. But I feel like, you know, um, and I'm no authority on what needs to be happening culturally, artistically in this world, but we could probably do with less superhero movies. We could. And I think this was an, a fair compromise. We got the superhero movie, but it didn't watch like one. No. I definitely think that the fact that this movie almost deliberately tried to not be a superhero movie worked to its advantage. I think Mm -hmm. that I did detect hints, like for instance, maybe you agree, I felt like the way the plot was structured was giving me some like killing joke vibes where it's like one bad day is all it takes to make somebody uh, insane. Mm -hmm. And there was like, this rapid fire series of terrible events that happened to him. And I felt like that maybe was calling back to killing joke or some other comic material. But at the end of the day, this was more of just a character study. I feel kind of like lame reducing it down to just that because it was a visual experience and all that too. And it had some action, but it really was just about here is cause you know, people are trying to make talk about it was plausible Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know if I buy that. No. Because it wasn't necessarily plausible, but it was it was relatable. Yeah. So and that's one thing. Um with this movie it was really great because I think that, you know, with superhero movies, with comic book movies, and with movies in general, you have to suspend a degree of disbelief. Yeah, of course. And with this though, it this movie kind of made you forget that. Because it did seem relatable. Everything seemed like it would it could happen in this world. Mm-hmm. Now, 
there were too many there were too many uh there was too many factors that fell in line just perfectly for the ending of this movie to occur we had a rising you know we had like series of rising unrests combined with like this person being a solid like uh, at least an image that resonated with this particular class of people Mm -hmm. that was in this particular city that were being run by these particular politicians that, you know, like it, no, it's just not, it's not necessarily plausible, but it definitely seemed for a long time that it could be. It makes it easy. The movie makes it easy to suspend disbelief. Yes, it does. It it just allows you to slip very quickly into, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm riding with like let's see what they show me because you know I I've said this a lot uh, when we've talked about stuff before. Just I'm open to all kinds of things. The movie has to. What do I always say? Take me on a ride. Mm-hmm. Just show me show me what you want to do. And this movie made that super easy. Oh yeah, especially because the content was kind of like hard to swallow it sometimes for me because I was just like cringing painfully the whole time. Yes. The movie made it easy to watch. Yeah, though. it was a pretty, well, that's the thing. It was to a re- follow. It was a really immersive experience. Mm-hmm. We, the audience didn't really have to try with this movie. We just kind of, it was, it was really just given to us. You right. Know? Everything. We didn't have to think about the imagery. We didn't have to think about anything that anything represented. There was nothing that we had to sit back and be like, well, man, why was this the right decision? Well, yeah, if you think about it, then no, you didn't have to. The movie just played out perfectly Mm -hmm. and there were questions that were left unanswered there were things that we didn't that we didn't know and that's and that's something that became i guess as of recent but thinking about this idea more the Mm -hmm. idea that everything wasn't answered and i like that Mm -hmm. you know like we were discussing i guess to discuss a parallel thing we were discussing i finished neon genesis Mm -hmm. and you were talking about one of the greatest things about that show is that neon genesis being an anime from the 90s right it was Mm -hmm. like what 97 oh it was mid 90s mid to late yeah so um this anime in particular it's very well known it's highly acclaimed in its genre but one thing that you had mentioned that you like about it so much and then this became very clear to me Mm -hmm. and it comes clear to me again as i'm discussing this film you don't have all the answers and that's a good thing right we i think we i think this we always want closure and if there was any movie that was going to deny us that it would have to be this one right i think that i mean I think the whole, you have to always show the monster, Mm -hmm. reveal the killer, do this, do that, give all of the answers is kind of like a bane on a lot of modern films. Mm -hmm. I think for one thing, I think it has like killed the horror genre. The fact that they constantly have to explain and show way too much. Yeah. Not but everything I'll... is a kaiju movie. Not everything. Right. We don't have to see everything. Right. And that's exactly what I agree. I've been saying that for years. It's it's what you don't see. It's what's implied. You can't just withhold, like, there are some things you can't withhold. Yeah. Like, you, you have to give the audience something. And I do like that this movie, it allowed things to be open-ended. Now, I have seen, a f- and we're going to get into this, mm-hmm. I have seen arguments that are maybe... A little too open-ended it's like no, no no the movie wasn't that open-ended no no but it definitely didn't just wrap everything up in a neat little box and hand it to you mm-hmm. which i appreciated a lot because superhero movies are kind of simple which is good it's a good thing mm-hmm. but this didn't the, the these movies like in game handed everything to us in a box yeah because and it, neatly wrap or yeah. as neatly as they tried to wrap it box <laughs> 
This movie didn't need to do no, that. No, it didn't. And okay, so this we so we're kind of discussing like that. Unlike other superhero movies, it not everything was handed to us. Um, one of my favorite things about this film was it was a Batman movie. Kinda. Kinda. So one thing that I was a little worried about was I was really hoping to God when I walked in this theater, I said, I hope I don't see, see Batman once in this movie. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see Batman. I don't want to see... I don't want to see any other Batman villains. I don't want a costume in right. this film other than the one that we've already seen. And that is what happened. It was well, the the little nuggets of Batman stuff that we got was phenomenal. Right. Like because they were just that little illusions. When the little kid says, "What's my name is Bruce?" That was awesome. Right. That was truly I, awesome. I think it was, I liked it. I liked that scene. I felt like it was, we are, okay, so spoiler, I actually do have a few criticisms of the movie. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think it was perfect, perfect. I do have some, I think there are some things that took away from the experience. I think that scene was a little too much. Like, just having the kid, that was awesome. Mm -hmm. Like, that was so cool. Because I think even in the, when the trailer. The whole scene was great, I think. When the trailer dropped, I think people immediately were like, that little kid's Bruce Wayne. That's Bruce Wayne. Ah. And they confirmed it. It was Bruce Wayne. I was, because one thing is we were talking just a minute ago about the suspension of disbelief and how this movie makes it easy. That scene actually kind of made it hard for me because I could totally believe him handing like the little like pop out uh, magic flowers, but touching somebody The fact that, you know, I don't know many children who can just be touched without reacting. Mm -hmm. So when I saw that little kid just blatantly having his face touched by a person he doesn't know, I was like, it broke my immersion a bit. I was like, this is a little over the line because that's not something that I can vibe with. I think I was too uncomfortable. It was creepy. Yeah, that was the point. But it also sort of broke a little bit of my immersion. Okay. So, yeah. But I think especially like the relationship, like, like. Like the whole thing with Thomas Wayne, Tom, the Thomas Wayne stuff. The was Thomas amazing. Wayne stuff was was beautiful. I yeah. thought that was awesome. Um, I like the um, I like the um, allusions to Arkham. Mm-hmm. Um, so like those little Batman things, you know, I think made it really really great. And of course the ending, right? The ending. So so did you? I gotta ask because okay. you know we haven't talked about we have not talked about this personally. I know a couple people who felt that they didn't, they did not like that we saw Batman's parents die. They're like, we're retreading old ground. That wasn't necessary. I don't think that's true. I think that this scene was very necessary because Thomas was such an important part of the movie. But I want to know, do you think that that was like a good thing to include in the movie? Uh, yes. Spe- okay. and for, good. <laughs> for, yeah, for a couple of reasons. So one, this is a... The reason why I wanted this movie to exist and the reason why I like this movie is because it's self-contained. Mm-hmm. Finally, a superhero movie, I'm using quotes here, that is self-contained. That is its own story from beginning to end. And yes, the Joker is the villain. He is the mm-hmm. villain. They've established that he is not a good dude with good intentions. However, the, the villain, the guy that we were trained to dislike throughout the film was defeated thus beginning a new era so regardless of whether or not 
Thomas Wayne was killed in the manner that he was, regardless mm-hmm. of whether or not that Thomas Wayne was killed as Bruce's parents, therefore spurring the creation of, of Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the villain. He was the antagonist of this film and he had to die um, for the movie, for the new era to begin. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that that movie, the movie was great in that it did truly, because we can't deviate too far too too far from it being a Batman movie it has to be to some capacity mm-hmm. and I think that was a really great way to start it I think that was a really great way to to, to draw, bring it all back and I also think it was a great way to kill off the antagonist of the film right you know? okay I had not, I actually had not thought of it that way I I thought that it was very good and necessary like I, I do agree with you and I, again I hadn't thought of it in those terms but I think you're right um it was definitely an interesting choice because this movie was so bold in so many ways with reinventing stuff. It was kind of an interesting choice that they went with the very traditional mm-hmm. Batman parent death of they went to see the mask of Zorro, her pearl necklace breaks when classic, he shoots her. Classic. They went with the super classic route, which was kind of cool. And I mean, this isn't like an unprecedented thing tying the Joker into Batman's parents' death because if you recall in the... Uh, in the old Batman movie, spoiler mm-hmm. alert for the old Batman movie, the Joker is the one who shot Batman's parents before he became the Joker. Yeah. So it's like, that's not like a completely new idea that there these events are related, but I love the way this movie did it. And I'm, I'm glad they showed it in the traditional terms. Yes. It gave you something to latch on to like, ah. I recognize right. this. So that being said, let's get into, we discussed what we liked. Let's discuss mm-hmm. maybe what, some of our criticisms. Okay. Why don't you start? You said that you had, you had, you had a okay. little something. Yeah. So there was the, the aforementioned breaking my immersion with the, the touching the, the face scene. thing. We'll call yeah. it the gate the scene. The gate scene. The thing that, that I think was the weakest handled in the film, and it wasn't handled badly by any means. It was just not handled as well as the other stuff, is... It starts off being handled beautifully. They show us Arthur and his mom watching TV. They're watching the Franklin Murray show. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, we just arbitrarily cut to him in the audience. It's like, what? Is this this a flashback? Is Mm -hmm. this a different point in time? And all this stuff happens that's just too good. And then we're just shown that that was a delusion. Introducing the idea that Arthur has this coping mechanism of you know, fantasizing about a better situation. And I thought, wow, like that was really, you know, that resonated with me, like that scene. Mm -hmm. Then we start seeing the scenes with him and his neighbor. Yes. And it's clear that either something, we're not, we're either missing something or she's crazier than him. Yeah. And then we're shown in that moment, which is really good, that those were all just delusions that none of that had happened i felt like that aspect of the film was kind of weak compared to the rest of the film like we have this portrait of his psyche but then there's this also this thing where it's like he's having these delusions but they're just about this woman like maybe if they had used more or structured the ones with the woman differently Mm -hmm. it just seems weird it's like he's clearly going to fantasize about things where he's accepted things like that, like the one on the show. So to just fantasize about these weird mundane things, like I get it, like that can happen. People do do that, 
but it just felt a little weird. And I think it had a negative side effect for the film as a whole, because then the fact that he does imagine these things led to what I was alluding to earlier, where people think it's too open-ended, yeah. quote unquote. I saw a lot of people arguing that none of it happened. Oh no, the whole movie was just like in his mind, dude. No, like uh, he was in the asylum the whole time, gross. dude. It's like uh, the way they handled they woke the up underneath the stairs and dude, the the way that they handled the sort of delusional fantasies led to this outpouring of stupid opinions yeah so and the delusional fantasies are kind of where i was talking about earlier where the movie was largely was where, where the plot element occurred largely within his own head right like that's i kind figured of what that's what you're talking yeah, about yeah, yeah. yeah so with the um with that and i don't know if i had a massive issue with it but i do what i mean it wasn't a massive issue okay. it's just no i had an issue of course you know we have to kind of we with how much we like this movie you have to get a little nitpicky mm-hmm. and i do think with that though it did um, it, it did usher in a wave of really dumb opinions. Um, but mm-hmm. I will also, I will say my criticism of that was you do question whether or not certain things were real because it clearly like, you know, like was his neighbor actually in the audience during the, during the, um, cause during when he was doing his standup, his stand-up yeah. cause we know the standup occurred because there's video right. footage of that, you know, and he'd, uh, he had, delusions that it went really well so there's kind of this blurred line between are the movies just are those uh, sorry are those delusions just hyperboles of situations that are actually happening right or are they well, completely in total fabrication right because the first one is What's, a complete and total fabrication the rest of them just appear to be a manipulation of something he's actually experiencing mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess in that sense, uh, there it is. You know, again, we aren't going to get all the answers with that. But that is something, I guess, that it it would aid the the story if we kind of had a little bit something more in that sense. If we we knew the extent of his delusions. Right. So one thing I I do want to say before we get into the other part, I didn't put this on our... uh, on our outline, but it's something I wanted to discuss. Uh So, um, but I want to discuss this first. One thing I really enjoyed about this movie was that we never really knew when we were going to get the Joker that we were familiar with. Right. That, because, so let's look at the Joker's, we don't really, this is something that's not discussed that much. Mm -hmm. What are the Joker's power sets? Like power sets, quote unquote. Quote unquote. You know, um, what does the Joker excel at that makes him such a formidable villain for Batman and I will argue the best villain for Batman Mm -hmm. Um, if not the best villain ever you know the, he's up there. He's up for there. me. He's up for there. Me. You know, I mean, again, I, it's subjective. I think that, you know, with me, he's not maybe not my, my favorite favorite, but he's mm-hmm. up there. Oh, yeah. He's, um, he's iconic. So the Joker uh, kind of to depending on what incarnation, this is what I'm going to discuss here in the mm-hmm. future. I like when we finally got the Joker we're familiar with because the Joker that Joaquin Phoenix was portraying for, we'll say, 90 percent of that film wasn't a Joker that could go toe-to-toe with Batman. Right. The Which, I mean, I don't think that was relevant since this wasn't going to include Batman. Exactly. You know what I mean? But, but we were wondering when we were going to get the Joker that could. Right. I, and, I honestly that, don't think we did, though. I think we got close. I think we got close, when, but I don't think we did. When he was on television, mm-hmm. when it showed that he could be uh, concise and um, 
and definitely have a power to manipulate his environment. Oh, he was yeah, on the like, Franklin Murray show when he was there. That is when I finally think I saw the Joker. Because I don't know about you, but for sometimes I forgot I was watching a movie about the Joker. Mm-hmm. I, I loved know. when I got it. I think that I think you're right. I think that it was kind of weird because a lot of the movie, you know, is about him not having control over mm-hmm. his life. And then he shows up like when he goes, when he becomes the Joker to me is when he actually takes control of his life. Mm-hmm. When he puts on the final outfit and starts going to the Murray Franklin show, he's got swag, man. Yeah, like He's exactly. swagging out for real. Like I definitely think that that is, you're right. That's the Joker that I think is most familiar in the comics, who is this massive, uh, like he is a criminal he just, mastermind. Right, he's a criminal mastermind. If you look he, on DC Wiki, that is his power. He's his a power. criminal mastermind. Yeah, I mean, he feels in this movie, it's like he felt confident. And that's how I think he f- comes across in a lot of Batman media is he's completely confident that he will succeed in doing something bad. He Because getting captured is a setback for him. Yes. That's not a... I don't know if this Joker was the sort of person who could, you know orchestrate these sort of schemes that the Joker of the comics does, but I don't think he needs to because he's different. He already said he doesn't, he just doesn't care. He didn't start all those riots, but he'll make them worse. Yeah. Like he's just kind of an opportunist. So I don't know if he would, especially because of how ridiculous DC characters are Mm -hmm. just in general, even Batman. Like, I don't know if he could do that. But I well, liked that he had in that time control. he could by the time Batman became Batman and Joker became more solidified in his newfound confidence. We be co- we, we could be this is an origin story. Right, right. Right. So I'm thinking that very much so, you know, the Batman that was being trained by like, let's look at Dark Knight. Right. That's being trained by Ra's al Ghul is probably not the Batman that could take on Bane, you know. Right. You know, so give it time. Right. But I like that we finally got a villain. You know, yeah. we got a guy that was crazy and then we got a villain and that was cool. Yeah. So I like, we were, so this is a perfect transition point. Okay. Let's kind of talk about the thing that I think this podcast is, it probably excels at. Let's compare it to the other incarnations of this Joker. It's the best one. Yeah. So, okay. Okay. Nice. I'm just going to get out the nice, gate and say nice. it. So, and so even compared to, so with the Joker for me, there are a couple categories you can take Joker into. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'll say there's 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 two umbrellas that can then branch off into two subcategories. Mm-hmm. I've thought about this a lot for some weird reason. Because there's, you were doing a podcast about yes. it. No, actually, no. I've always thought about oh, this a okay, lot okay. because because you know when you when you consume, I, I will say the bulk of the comics I've always read were DC comics. Mm-hmm. I just found as much as I love the Marvel characters, I just always found the DC comics more compelling. Uh, they're a little they're more put together in my opinion. Yeah, you know, I mean, especially. When Marvel began to kind of fall out, DC actually was kind of in their stride, in my opinion. Right. Um, so there's two categories for the Joker. You know, there's there is the carnivorous, like hostile murderer, mm-hmm. and then there's the prankster. Right. And then between those two, amongst those two, is he absolutely bonkers, mm-hmm. or is he like? so smart and so in control you know that he's able capable of taking on batman is he so far on either end of that spectrum Mm -hmm. that he's capable of taking on batman 
So with this one, I think I really liked that they really kind of went with what I'll argue is OG Joker, mm-hmm. um, which is hostile, carnivorous, uh, evil Joker, kind mm-hmm. of, you know, to a degree. The Joker that I think that the first Joker would have ever uh, appeared as and like I think Joker Joker did appear in Batman one didn't mm-hmm. he with Catwoman I believe uh, so yeah I, they, I actually yeah no one I or say two that. yeah yeah because because Catwoman people don't think that Catwoman is as OG as Joker is she is yeah so she's super OG yeah so um Joker was originally written to be less of the prankster in fact when uh we started censoring comics right. is when Joker became the prankster because they couldn't make him kill people right remember I mean Batman in the original Batman comics killed people yeah. like. They definitely, there was a time for the unaware where comics were a lot less restricted and then they kind of became restricted and now they've been less restricted. Exactly. Batman couldn't kill people and then um, the Joker was a prankster. Right. And that's what we got. And which is the Joker. And also a lot of people got the Joker through the Adam West show. Mm -hmm. They got a lot of their, I mean, they got Batman through the Adam West show. So they got a very different portrayal than i don't know the dark knight returns or the killing joke yeah or like even like you know i will say um and we had a great combination of the two with the batman animated series Mm -hmm. you know so this joker in my opinion was old school Mm -hmm. was old school and i think i like that i i really do i don't know if i have a preference if i like uh, unhinged joker or i like schemey mastermind joker Mm -hmm. but i definitely like Hostile, murderous, not prankster Joker. I definitely prefer the seriousness of non-prankster Jokers. Yes. I also... I do actually kind of prefer crazy Joker to schemey Joker because I feel like the thing that's cool about Joker is even though he's unhinged, his plans... When when you're dealing with unhinged Joker, his plans tend to be ridiculous but he just has like this good luck yes. where his plans, even though they're dumb and kind of crazy, they just kind of work because he's got this like insanity savantness to him mm-hmm. where it's like he's crazy and he can just make things kind of work. I'm not super into the whole like he's a mastermind thing as much, although yeah. it can be done right. Um, but yeah, and maybe I should clarify. I think Joaquin Phoenix is the best live action Joker we've had. Yeah. Okay. That, see, that's where I'm going I think, with this. Okay. I thought that's, yeah, yeah. I do think Mark Hamill might be the most well-rounded Joker because throughout the years, he's played various shades of the Joker. He's but played he always, Joker, yeah, he's Arkham bought, Asylum He's Joker. been more pranky. He's been more murderous. He's been more schemey. He's been more unhinged. And I think that he excels at all of that. And I just think the voice is iconic. So. Of course. So with me, um, I think that with this Joker... Um, I really do, and I really, really do enjoy it. I think that one thing that's also great is that, so the Joker is a really complicated villain in a lot of different ways because there is no real canonized origin for the Joker. Right. So with the Joker, we've always, we get people, many writers have tried to give us Joker origins with diminishing returns. Right. I have never loved an origin for the Joker until now. Right. I didn't like your reference killing joke. I don't like the killing joke origin. I don't like the falling in a vat of acid. I don't like, I like this and not because it's plausible or even relatable. I mean, I don't know. I can't relate to that. Right. You know? um, Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Audience, audience. When I said relatable, I meant 
the world was relatable. Exactly. That's, yeah. Right. Okay. Exactly that. I just exactly. had to make that clear real quick. Exactly. That. Well, especially because like when this movie was created, it sparked unneeded outrage about, look, if you're mean to people, like, you know, I don't want a movie about if you're mean to people, they'll become villains. That's not what the movie was about. Just watch, obviously. And right. we, we found that to be true. Right, so that's right. the thing. So before you cast judgment, watch the film, kids. But like um, with this, I really liked the Joker, this, this Joker origin. Um, I think that it was really effective and I think it was really effective in that it had nothing else to compare to had nothing else piggybacking off of it it had nothing else to commit to after Mm -hmm. this it's not like okay well you know the Joker is also a master chemist so we have to show him also being good at chemistry for some reason like no they had nothing to compare it to so they could just do whatever they wanted and that's what made this movie so good Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I absolutely, I fell in love. I love this Joker origin. And I will say um, for any future versions of the uh, Joker, this is the only origin, not that I'll say is canonized because obviously I like when stories are self-contained and don't have much to commit to prior or after. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the only Joker origin that I think matters. I will disagree slightly. Okay. I will disagree slightly. I'm going to argue no Joker origin matters. Oh. Okay, well, yeah, so, I prefer Joker without an origin Yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. So. Okay, no, 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 I figured, I figured that, but I'm just saying, yes, I like this origin. Yes, I think that they did this very well. If they were going to, in the future, talk about Joker origins, I don't need one, you know what I mean? Because no, I think that's, I think he's fine without it. If you're gonna, if, I think part of the reason, and the only reason origin worked here was that's literally what this movie was. It was literally just him and it's how he got there. Yeah. But when we're already dealing with, Oh, there's Batman and there's Selena Kyle, we don't also need to have this dude. Yeah. No, like, exactly. I don't exactly. I don't want this version of the Joker carrying on to any other versions. Cause I also don't think it's sustainable. You know, right. I don't think that this version of the Joker could compete in a Batman world. Like, you know, uh, this Joker, because he wasn't a superhero character in this. Exactly, exactly that. So, with that, um, you know, I think the Joker obviously is best without an origin. I like when we allude to origins mm-hmm. but aren't given them, i.e. Heath Ledger's Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the best version. Joker is such a complicated character that you actually have to do quite a bit to make a Joker even... to even warrant Joker getting there, you know, like Joker is just such a weird character that is so to a degree OP, like Mm -hmm. that you would have to do a lot with that origin just to get him there. I think that again, going back to it, it's what you don't see that makes him such a compelling villain. So I discussed Heath Ledger and you already kind of gave your answer, but I want, I want us to kind of elaborate upon this. This is the question that we were all saying, and we, you and I have been quoting, that have been saying this mm-hmm. for a long time, and you just disagreed with yourself, which is fine, obviously, because these things, that's what made this movie so good. Mm-hmm. We keep on saying, you know, why even make a live action Joker? You know, I always say that, like, when Jared Leto's Joker, you know, for me, the design, the way, no, I don't like it. I, I, it makes sense. The no, it's not bad. The look is not bad at because all. Because it makes sense. It's a natural progression. Because I always say we can't really attempt to redo Heath Ledger's Joker because no one's going to do it better than him. Right. So, because no, I always said no one's really going to compete with a live action Joker like Heath Ledger. But whether or not, and I'm sure he didn't intend to, I'm sure he, there was no competition there. Right. 
But Joaquin did. He right. did compete with now, Heath Ledger's Joker. It is, we do have to just note, if we're going to talk about that, mm-hmm. that there was a difference in context. Yes, Because in The Dark Knight, Heath Ledger's Joker is sharing the screen, a lot of the screen time with Bruce Wayne, with Lucius Fox, with all these other characters, mm-hmm. and, the, and Harvey Dent. This movie was just about him. Precisely. So we got way more time with him which, to me, allowed him to shine brighter. Yeah, I, I agree. So, with this, uh, it's tough. Because I don't know if there's one that I enjoyed more. Mm-hmm. Um, Heath Ledger's Joker played a very different category of Joker to me, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're going down, he's definitely the, the homicidal under the homicidal umbrella, but is under the more schemey right. uh, version of the Joker, not unhinged at all. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, that's what made that Joker so so compelling was that he wasn't at all unhinged. He was almost too sane. Mm-hmm. Um, so for his or anybody else's good, um, that's what made him so dangerous. But yeah, so Heath Ledger did, so Joaquin Phoenix did compete with Heath Ledger in the sense because they're just two live action jokers. Mm-hmm. I will say that, um, though I, though I do say I prefer Joker murderous and unhinged, mm-hmm. If you ask me which of the two versions of the Joker I would watch before the other, I would go Heath Ledger's. Okay. I think that Joaquin Phoenix's, all things considered, was given less and was better. Now, see, I'm in a in a boat here of, you know, when The Dark Knight came out, everyone was talking about it. It's the best superhero movie ever made. It's a masterpiece. It's, you know, the best thing ever. People and still the say thing, that. People still say that. But the one thing that I see is the main talking point of the movie now, over a decade later, mm-hmm. I was doing the math yeah. in my head. I was like, wait, yeah. when, did, when did Dark Knight come out? That was over a decade ago. People still talk about Heath Ledger's performance. Heath Ledger's performance is like the linchpin of the movie. Yeah. I don't think that the Dark Knight is as good as people say it is. I actually think Batman Begins is better. No, so... And I don't think Heath Ledger's performance is as iconic as people say. Like, yes, it's a very good... But you know how many people I've seen who said that that was the greatest villain ever in any film ever? I, I have to disagree. And the level... Because the thing is... He had his thing and he was good at it. Yeah. He had this sort of swaggering demeanor and this voice and these mannerisms. And they were so compelling to watch. A version of the Joker that the mainstream audience had never seen before. Right. It was very cool. But then when I saw uh, Joaquin Phoenix, he's able... He brought a significantly more depth to the character, which I like more as, you know, a moviegoer. I appreciate... You know, Heath Ledger's Joker to me was just all kind of the visuals, what he says, his mannerisms. This was really going on a character journey. Yes. And I find that more compelling. And when he was the Joker, when he finally had made that sort of quote unquote transformation or metamorphosis and he was in the costume and all that, he had this swaggering demeanor, but it felt bolstered to me because we had the depths of why he was there 
and what was driving him. Yeah. And you know what? And I, and here's the thing. So what I will go ahead and say is that if that Joker, if that version of the Joker that appeared on the Murray show mm-hmm. had more screen time and had his own movie, hypothetically, mm-hmm. I would watch that Joker more. I love that Joker. I really, really do. Mm-hmm. I think that, um, I think maybe I, I'm, I gravitate towards that Heath Ledger Joker because it's, he is the Joker the entire time, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, at the very end of the day, I prefer, I prefer Joaquin Phoenix's Joker Joker, mm-hmm. not like leading up to Joker, not in the dressing room Joker on screen Joker. I don't know. I, I feel like he, I felt like I was completely compelled by him all the way up until that point anyway, because I, even though, yes, I'm going to agree. I don't think he was the Joker until he appeared on the Murray show. He had the outfit on, but I would say the turning point of the movie when he kills Penny, his quote unquote mom. Yeah. I feel like he is the Joker from that point on. Jesus. That, yeah, that, that, that scene was, (laughs) that was the scene where, you know, earlier I was saying there's a scene where you stop being actively sympathetic. That was that scene for me. Um, I think that he was definitely the Joker for that whole time after mm-hmm. that. He just hadn't like solidified it into this persona. Yeah. And I found all of that super compelling to watch. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll definitely agree with that. Mm-hmm. So this is my favorite question. And I'm not even, I'm not even going to, I'm not, it's not even a question. I'm just going to say this. Okay. We're done with the Joker. We, I, I don't want the Joker anymore. Wait, what do you mean? I don't want... I, I'm sick of seeing... This was such a great movie. Right, right. I am sick of seeing whatever... Whenever Batman does anything, I don't care what the Joker thinks anymore about what Batman's doing. Joker is... I love him. He's such a great villain, but he is... I think we need to retire the Joker for a while in, every, in comics, in movies... I think the Joker needs to settle down because what's happening is the Joker isn't having the impact that mm-hmm. he he I think he needs to have because I just am so expecting to whenever Batman shows up anywhere for the Joker to just be there. Right. I I do think that the Joker is out of all of the rogues gallery. You know, Batman's really lucky as far as superheroes go in that he has Many very iconic villains. Nobody rivals him except with the exception of Spider-Man. Yeah. Spider-Man's the only other one. The two of them have like the absolute like gold standard rogues gallery. Mm -hmm. Because of that, like for instance, I'm very hyped for the Robert Pattinson Batman movie. I am too. I'm very hyped for it. I was not like a hater when they announced Robert Pattinson. Of course not. I, no, like, I, I don't say of course. I wasn't either. I was curious. I was I was kind of like, oh, okay. But I totally see it. I'm so glad they're going with villains other than the Joker for that yeah. movie. Because I do think that it's a bit much. The over-reliance on him. Because it's like... Because the Joker has this sort of built-in spectacle of him being crazy and acting mm-hmm. erratically. I think that people think oh, we can just throw him in there and it will distract from our flaws. Like in Suicide Squad, it's almost as if they just said, be crazy. Doesn't matter what you do or where you are in the story. 
Oh yeah, I'm also done with Harley Quinn, but oh yeah, well no, that's I reasonable. Like, I was done with Harley. Okay, yeah, that, that hot, I, was, I was never into Harley Quinn. Hot, hot take. I, well, Harley Quinn. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Harley Quinn wasn't act, was only like ever like she was introduced in the animated yes, series. She, she was. was not, she was created by Bruce Timm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruce. God bless Bruce Timm. God the, bless. Yeah. So, with exception of the Harley Quinn creation. So, um, yeah, I'm not a Harley. No, Quinn I don't. Fan. Yeah, I'm not a Harley Quinn fan. I don't think that Harley Quinn is a. In in concept, a terrible character, and I can't blame Bruce Tim for like creating giving that. the Joker an iconic sidekick. Yeah, exactly. Batman he, has Robin. Why not? That's the only thing that I think that makes that that you could have possibly done to the Joker. And what an iconic thing to do! Mm-hmm. I mean, Joker was Joker was in Batman one, and mm-hmm. you're gonna change Joker by giving him a sidekick. That is crazy. Great mm-hmm. work. Super super iconic stuff. Um. I am sick of seeing what the Joker thinks about whenever Batman does anything. Batman, as the comics have progressed, has done increasingly different things. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Batman has gotten married now, you know? Mm-hmm. And now the what does the Joker think about Batman getting married? I don't give a shit. Like, right. I, I'm just so sick of the Joker crashing the party because he says, because he seems less and less and less um, consequential. But Georgie... What Joker are we even talking about? There's multiple Jokers. Uh, oh, that, uh, yeah. yeah. So, Do you guys remember when Batman sat on the Mobius chair and could get the answers to anything in the world? He asked who the Joker was. The chair says there's actually three Jokers. And instead of saying, what are their identities and how do I find them? He just got up off the magic answer chair and left. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, and here's the thing. And this is what I believe this is what, oh uh, my God, uh, Brian Michael Bendis is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Michael Bendis, uh, you know, mm-hmm. does doing his thing. Um, sometimes it's amazing. Sometimes it's absolute garbage. And I think this is absolute garbage. So there's been discussed in the comic world and it's kind of like, it's kind of like the, the release, the Snyder cut of the comic <laughs> world right now. Uh, going back to that, God. it's, uh, the jokers you've heard about jokers, yes, right? Yes. So yeah, I don't want that. I don't want many jokers to be present in the same storyline. I just don't want it. And imagine, so I was reading a comic book that I love to death. I've discussed this comic book, uh, this comic of, uh, it's an event, multiple mm-hmm. times on this podcast because I do think it's really, really interesting and it ties into my personal interests very well, Batman Metal. Imagine at the very end of Batman Metal, who helps defeat Batman Who Laughs but Joker. Like I'm like, come on, dude. Like, And I get it. It was kind of cool because it's like, okay, there's Joker. But then I'm like thinking in hindsight, anyone else? Right. It's an interdimensional fight. Batman went to many dimensions in this in this in this comic event, and who but el- and who else to help Batman, but Joker, right? Like it's just like it's just Joker is this constant thing, and it's not to say that Joker is bad in any of these things. It's just I want to see what somebody else. Mm-hmm. What does Penguin think about Jack? Batman okay, I don't made? care what Penguin thinks, but Razal Ghul, <laughs> Razal Ghul, or some of these other villains. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Riddler. What about Calendar Man? Let's bring back Calendar Man. Bro, what about Man Bat? <laughs> yeah. 
Well, okay, okay. So yeah, so let's look at that because obviously there's a lot of like more creative characters. Look, uh, what's it? Gods and Monsters? Is that the one where Batman becomes man? Like crazy stuff. There's so many really creative things with that. Batman has traveled interdimensionally. Batman has been not Batman. Batman has been Thomas Wayne. We've got, Batman can do so much. That Batman was cool too. Yeah, yeah, right? You know, Batman has been a samurai, you mm-hmm. know? So clearly Batman's a pretty flexible character, yet we are still concerned with what the Joker thinks about what Batman is capable of doing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's kind of why I like Batman in a Justice League context. Because there's no Joker. Because there's no Joker. And then also it forces Batman to get a little bit more creative because, you know, when Batman deals with Joker, I feel like it regresses Batman a little bit. You know, I can see that because, you know, Batman being an interdimensional traveler who now has to work on a team, you know, and has dynamics with characters mm-hmm. such as Aquaman and Wonder Woman, characters that you never would have thought Batman would actually have a diplomacy with. Right. Right. All of a sudden, Man, he had a diplomacy with Wonder Woman in the animated <laughs> series, too. <laughs> I love it. So, but whenever Batman goes back with Joker, it's like it regresses him. It goes, he got, he becomes like addicted to justice again. And like, bro, but justice is all there is. Yeah. yeah. Like that's the thing. Like Batman becomes kind of one dimensional, you know, whenever he deals with Joker, because like, I can't kill Joker. Listen, brother, but Joker has done just enough for you to warrant, you know, killing him. That's why I like Mask of the Phantasm so much. Somebody else had like the balls to like just kill Joker. Right. Because <laughs> yeah, Batman that ain't gonna movie do is it. amazing. Yeah. Um, My favorite DC animated film. Huh? Yeah. The. You are right. Yeah, so that's what I'll say. Yeah, I, that's I'm what sorry, I'll say. Big, big rant. Big there. rant, but it was good. It was big, good stuff. Yeah, We're rant. good. I, I, that's been on my brain for a long time. No, I feel and you. I have, have the outlet to discuss my thoughts on Joker. Right. I feel you. I'm glad they made this movie. I'm glad that it was unique. I'm glad that they weathered arguably unfair criticism leading up to and during the release of the film. Uh, God bless him. Where's hashtag? Where's uh, Joaquin's Oscar? Yes, exactly. that's what I'll say. All right. If you had to give this movie a rating, say we're at rating time on yeah. a scale of one to ten, what would you give it? Oh, Jesus, this is a nine out of ten. Okay. I think I think this is okay. a nine out of ten. I'm gonna go nine point five out of ten. Five out of ten. Yeah. So okay, if we're comparing it to other bearded and nerdy things, I don't think you. I'm are. changing all my. None of my ratings apply anymore. They have to. Okay. <laughs> Knock so, them all down a peg. Well, well, actually, okay. Well, actually, no. The re- no, no, there's a reason why I'm doing this because I, you weren't on this particular rating. The, the other one that received a rating this kind of this high was um, Spider Verse. The Spider Verse. Spider Verse for me. Uh, Spider- no, Spider Verse. I think was an eight point five. Oh, okay. Ish. I think. I think this was. I think this was. I didn't know you would give anything a nine or higher. Spider Verse was probably an eight or five, eight point five or nine. I have to go back and listen. I don't want to listen to that one. That was that was an awkward one because I do it by it myself and I stutter a lot and I hate it. So, um, but okay, but uh, consider this if you wanted me to compare it to if you know me personally and how much I like Spider Verse, I consider it mar- like marginally better than that. Okay, so like nine, yeah, nine out of ten. You know, I think that uh, I don't makes you wonder what would be a ten out of ten. I mean, I'm saying like in the. Yeah. Pretty much nothing is a 10 out of 10. Like everything is going to have some flaws. And I think there's a big difference between an objective 10 out of 10, which arguably doesn't even exist. And uh, I enjoyed it that much. Yeah. 
if it hadn't been for a couple of like weird moments or weird ideas, this would have been a 10. Yeah, that we kind of actually have to look for, you know, like, you know, we have to think about that because you can't give anything a perfect score. But yeah, Mm -hmm. no, I've nine out of 10. So I'll, so bearded and nerdy rating makes it a 9.25 out of 10. Yes, it does. And I like that. I like that rating. All right. Well, that was a good one. I really enjoyed this one. Yeah. So, all right. So we are going to be signing off and uh, look forward to some new content coming out soon. Uh, You can find me at at bearded underscore and underscore nerdy on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I will be, uh, I don't know if we're going to be doing another podcast before then, but if we do, uh, if we don't, I will be over at Holiday Matsuri. Um, in Orlando, December, I'll be in Orlando December 13th, but I'll be at the con December 14th and 15th. Um, so if you are listening to this and you are at Hallmat, come by, say hi. I will be Aquaman and Endeavor that weekend. So look for those guys. Get pics with this man. <laughs> All right, guys. Peace out. You have a good one. <laughs>